Can we go back to Florida? Oh, we go to France. Crossing family, I am so glad that you are with us today. I want to welcome you from all of our different locations, those of you joining us online and inside, and to those of you joining us for the first time or the first time in a long time. We are so glad you are here because today we are starting a brand new sermon series called Reclaim, Restoring What Was Lost and Fixing What's Broken. Perhaps some of you have parts of your home decorated with reclaimed barnwood, or some of you have found an old piece of furniture at a thrift store or an estate auction that you stripped of paint, sanded down, and brought back to its original glory. Or maybe you gave it an updated trendy twist. There is something beautiful about solid craftsmanship and natural materials. The hard work seems to be worth it when we know that it can be passed on to future generations or at least maintain its value and even increase in value when the time comes for it to leave our homes. Contrast that with the particle board pieces that litter our homes today. While we appreciate the convenience, they have no longevity and are far from sturdy. In conversations with parents, couples, grandparents, and young adults, it appears to me that many of us are wishing for something more, something better something different. In this sermon series, we're gonna take a look at the areas of our lives that we need to reclaim. Things that we've lost along the way and things that are broken and long overdue for a fix. In order to reclaim what has been lost and broken, we need to understand three principles. Principle one, you reap what you sow. We see this in Galatians. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Here's a question I want you to ponder. What do you want to reap? This is a question about vision. When you see yourself in the future, what do your relationships look like with your kids? What kind of marriage or friendships do you wanna have? How are you doing in the future financially? physically, and even spiritually. We are so busy in the day-to-day -day hustle of life that many of us have not stopped long enough to make sure that we have a vision for our future. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. It's probably said best in the King James Version, where there is no vision, the people perish. Nobody has the vision of being poor, divorced, and estranged from their kids. Most people have hopes that one day they'll have money in the bank, less fighting in their family, and closer and more meaningful relationships. However, having a vision is not enough. Once you have a vision, you have to take steps to get there. You can have a vision for reaping a harvest of corn, but if you don't ever buy the seed, go out and work the dirt, fertilize it, spray for weeds, and do the maintenance on the combine, the chances of you reaping a harvest plummets. Furthermore, you can have a vision for harvesting corn, but if all you do is sow wheat, you will never realize the vision you have. So many of us have visions that are in direct contradiction to our daily activities. We reap what we sow, not what we intend to sow. Vision is not enough. We need to implement our vision, which leads to principle two. Come here. Principle two, everything has a price. 
Jesus gives us a warning that we must count the cost of following him and also of not following him. He likens it to a man who's getting ready to build a tower. He says you should first sit down and count the cost to see if you have enough to complete it. Otherwise, you'll simply lay a foundation and be seen as a fool who did not have enough money to finish the project. He also says that whoever loses their life will save it, and whoever tries to save their life will lose it. There is always a cost. Choosing to follow Jesus has a cost. You will lose your life. You turn your life over to him. But choosing not to follow Jesus also has a cost. You keep your life on your terms and save it for yourself. However, in the end, you will not enter into heaven because your life was never placed in the hands of Jesus. We end up overestimating the cost of decisions today and underestimating the cost of decisions made tomorrow. We tend to think that putting off the life change, delaying the tough conversations, and holding off on implementing better practices will save us in the long run. But there is a cost to not working out regularly, and there is a cost to working out regularly. There is a cost to saving today, and there is a cost for not saving today. There is a cost to having difficult conversations today, and there is a cost to not having difficult conversations today. There is a cost to making life-changing decisions today, and there is a cost to not making life-changing decisions today. We end up buying more particle board furniture because in the moment it costs less. Mm. But in the long run, we end up spending so much more than we anticipated. Which leads me to principle three. We must feed the dog we want to win. So I married two guys, Fat Clayton and Skinny Clayton. Careful. So he's sitting in front of the television eating a pizza and then a bowl of cereal and then a half a bag of chips. And then he gets mad that we're out of ice cream. And all of a sudden, something wakes up inside of him and he screams, hey, I gotta get out of this chair. I'm gonna go look in the mirror. Then he turns sideways and he's like, look, you're fat, you're out of shape. Let's do something about it. Something wakes up inside of him and he sees the world completely differently. So now skinny Clayton, he can't stand being fat. He has a different vocabulary. He uses words like discipline and exercise. All right. Put the carbs down. He watches videos on YouTube of workouts. He reads blogs, does research on what types of shoes he's going to need. He sets workout goals, dietary regimens, gets up early to work out. Okay, I get it. Gets a Fitbit and does jumping jacks, runs in place so he gets his steps in. He even begins to look down on <laughs> others who don't work out. The skinny Clayton loses five pounds, then 10 pounds, then 15 pounds. Then he weighs in and sees no progress. Next morning, he gets up to work out, and it's looking too rainy and cold. So he sleeps for an extra hour. Then on his way to work, the McDonald's he has successfully driven by for the last three weeks has no one in line. And then it hits. Fat Clayton is back, and he's in charge. It's sad, but it's true. The worst thing is, it's not just limited to that. There's great spouse versus selfish spouse. Great spouse says, I'm sorry, and selfish spouse says, it's your fault. The great one works at loving, and the selfish one expects to be loved. One shows up ready to serve and the other one expects to be served. It shows up in parenting. There's invested Clayton and there's absent Clayton. Invested Clayton is involved. Absent Clayton is overcommitted. Invested Clayton has a plan. Uh, absent Clayton allows chaos. Invested Clayton prioritizes a relationship. Absent parent Clayton is all about rules. 
I interact with my kids when I'm in my, on good behavior and I ignore them and I'm on my cell phone when I'm exhibiting my bad behavior. It shows up as good friend and bad friend. Good friend says, I'm gonna go say hi to everyone. Bad friend goes, well, they didn't speak to me. They've got a problem. Good friend listens, bad friend talks. Good friend gives, bad friend takes. Then there's Clayton who has a growing faith and Clayton who has a stagnant faith. When I have a growing faith, I make a regular investment. When I have a stagnant faith, I'm just going through the motions or I'm driven by my emotions. And when I'm invested, I make it a priority when sometimes it can just become occasional. There are so many more of these. There's the, I wanna learn a new language versus I'm just gonna speak slowly and louder when I travel to foreign countries and my family knows this one all too well. There's a desire inside of me to be a great leader and there's also a desire in me to be a horrible boss. There's a part of me that wants to be a great saver and then there's times when I'm a reckless spender. There's times when I wanna become a great cook and there's other times where I would just rather choose to go through the drive-through. All of these personalities live inside of me and I'm guessing they live inside of you too. And these two personalities do not like each other and only one of them can be in charge. It reminds me of a story, maybe you've heard it too, of the two dogs. That there's this young boy hanging out with his father and they're talking about this desire to be good and then at the same time, these bad actions that take place in his life. And he's trying to talk to his father and get some advice about how to navigate this. And, he, and his dad says, look, there are two dogs. One wants to do good and be good and the other one is bad and wants to be bad. And the boy looks to his father and he says, well, which dog will win? And the dad looks at him and says, whichever dog you feed. What I love so much about this time of year is that the version of ourselves we wanna be tends to wake up and when he's in charge, life is exciting and full of potential. The problem is that by late February, March, the who we are dog eats the who we wanna be dog and life returns to the old normal. Paul in Galatians gives these two dogs a name. One is the flesh and one is the spirit. Every day, we have a choice to feed the dog of the flesh, and if we do, we will reap destruction. Or we can feed the dog of the spirit and reap a spiritual harvest. I'm hoping that by every single one of us going on this journey together, by embracing these principles, we will reap a spiritual harvest we will ultimately reclaim. We will be able to redeem the things that have been lost and fix the things that are broken. Well, in order to reclaim, in order to redeem, in order to fix what is broken, we have to make a decision right now. Which dog will we continue to feed? I uh, was drawn to the last principle. I mean, they went through three, but I want to focus primarily on the third principle. I, I know they talked about sowing and what you reap and, and uh, everything has a price, but I want to focus on these two dogs. And I want to give a little more context. Jennifer said it, that Galatians, Paul actually gives these two dogs a name, and I want you to see where it's found in Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. It says this, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. There is the first dog. The, the spirit is the one. And, and how do we feed it? And we're going to get to that in just a little bit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves or you won't be doing what your flesh desires. That's the second dog. So you have the spirit and then you have your, your flesh or your sinful nature. And so here's what it does. The sinful nature 
point blank, wants to do evil. Your flesh wants to do evil, which is just opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the nature, spiritual nature or sinful nature desires. But here's what I want you to focus in on, narrowing on this. These two forces are constantly fighting against each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Here's what you got to know, that there is a dog fight happening. There is these two dogs, the flesh and the spirit, going head to head. And everybody in this room and everybody watching online, you need to know this. We all have different sinful desires. Some are similar, but some are, are very different. And we all have these battles of the flesh. And you may wonder, well, hey, what happens? What happens if I'm, I'm not feeding the spirit? Or what happens if I don't have the spirit? What happens if I'm just feeding my sinful desires? What happens when I'm just feeding the dog of my flesh? Well, Galatians 5 says that it produces evil. But what kind of evil? He continues in verse 19. Here's what he says. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, when you follow the desires of your flesh, which again is all of us in here, there's that, that nature of us, the results are very clear. When you do that, here's what happens. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery or, or, or witchcraft, hostility, there, there's more. There's a lot that happens when you feed into the flesh, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger. Some of you have been there. Selfish ambition, dissension, division happens, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. There's too many to list, but he's like, let me just give you a list. And I need to just stop right there. As you narrow in on this list, as you focus on what the flesh when you feed the flesh, when you feed your sinful desires, you get this. And is there anything on there that seems appealing to you? Do you wake up in the morning and you say, man, today, man, I desire, I desire to be a little hostile. I, I desire to, to get in a little of a, a, a fighting match with somebody. Or I, I desire to have the outburst of anger or all those things because I, I just don't think you do. Here's the deal, they may seem appealing, they may even bring some short-term enjoyment to you, but when you are engaged with those things, when you are feeding the flesh and those results are taking place, it leaves you wanting more. There, there are times, I'm sure you've experienced this, where something in your life, man, just wasn't fair or you, you, something, some news hit you and, and, or maybe someone did something sideways to you and you let out an outburst of anger. I don't, maybe it's just me, but in my car that seems to happen where I will just let out a scream. Something will come out of my, my, my flesh in those moments. And in the moment, I was like, that felt all right. It felt okay. But it leaves me wanting more. I can't, I can't continue in that. Because, listen... You will never find fulfillment in the flesh. Let me say it again. You will never find fulfillment in the flesh. I'm sure uh, a lot of you can relate to this based on the circles that I'm running in. Uh, my family has been hit with sickness all over. It started last week with, with me with strep throat. It continued into this week uh, with my wife and the flu bug. And i got to be completely transparent with you. Uh, my flesh took over. 
Uh, when I'm sick, especially last week, I will say this, I will admit it in front of all of you, I'm a bit dramatic, all right? Um, I felt, and, and when someone was texting me when I was down with strep throat and I was laying in bed and I just couldn't get out of bed for two days and people were texting me, I, the words I would use, I would say, I feel like I'm on my deathbed. I couldn't move, my, my head hurt, my throat hurt, my body hurt, uh, just everything did. And I felt like I could literally slap you with what was sticking out of my neck at that time. Like it was bad. And when I'm sick... I have these perceived uh, thoughts on how my wife should care for me. <laughs> because I was down and I, I was out, it's not an excuse. I, I, I should have done better. This is where I fell short. I fed much more into my fleshly side. I wasn't, I wasn't feeding the spirit very much when I was down and out. I wasn't spending much time in the word. I wasn't spending much time in prayer. And so my flesh came out of me. And so my expectations of my wife were she needs to be in my room at every second of the day. And she needs to be caring for me. And she needs to be asking, honey, can I bring you some more water? Honey, can I get this for you? And quite frankly, she, she didn't. Now, she checked in on me. She did everything she was supposed to do. She's caring for four kids. She's uh, continuing to walk in her calling in the Lord and doing a mighty awesome job in, in her calling. But for some reason, in my flesh side, it took over. And you know what my flesh said? And you could probably relate to this. I said, sweetie, I know you're going to get sick next. And you wait. You wait, and I will treat you exactly the way you treated me this that didn't work out very well, did it? See, my flesh came out and I took it out on her. I took it out on my kids because I was, I was feeding the wrong dog. And that's why, my friends, it's, it's so important to feed the spirit. And here's the good news about having a relationship with Jesus Christ is that you are not battling the flesh by yourself. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you are battling it by yourself. But Jesus says in his own words, I love this, in John chapter 14, the gospel of John, he says, if you love me, Jesus says this, if you love me and you keep my commands and you obey my commands, Jesus says, I will send, I will ask the Father to send us an advocate who will help us forever. The spirit of truth, the spirit of God will come inside of us. And you want to know why that's a big deal? Do you want to know why it's a big deal to have the spirit of God living inside of us? Well, because the results are quite opposite of what the flesh provides. Here's what it says in verse 22 as we continue in chapter 5. But the fruit of the spirit, the results of the spirit, when you feed the spirit, when you allow the spirit to come take residence inside of you, this is what it does. It provides love and joy and peace and forbearance or, or, or patience or kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Look at that list in contrast to the list that your flesh provides. I wonder how many of your, uh, your kids or your, your, your spouse or your family or your grandkids or fill in the blank of the person in your circle, if they were like, man, actually my, this would be a bad thing for my, my, my loved one to have more joy, to have more love, to have more patience, to have more kindness, to have more self-control. Would they be like, no, 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 I, dad, actually I want a more hostile dad. 
I, I want, when, when, when I do something wrong, I, I don't want a peaceful dad. I don't want a gentle dad. But if I'm not careful, listen, this is just me speaking. If I'm not careful and I'm feeding the wrong dog, those things on the other list tend to show themselves more than this list if I'm not feeding the spirit. I don't know if any of the guys can relate to this, uh, to this next part. But my wife, I love her so much, and she knows that. She just takes so darn long to get ready when we go to places. All right? Like, a long time. And maybe it's not even that she, she takes a long time to get ready. She just seems to wait till the last moment to get ready. So if like, for instance, we know it's, I'm going to give her a Saturday when we're not working, we're out of the office and we're at home and we're enjoying time with the family. And let's just say we have somewhere to be at 6 p.m. She's doing nothing all day besides caring for her kids and loving me. She waits till 5.45 to get ready. She's like, I think now's a good time. Let's go get ready now. And I'm like, we're supposed to leave at 5.45. And so this is what happens. The flesh side of me, if I'm not feeding the spirit, if I'm not in my word, if I'm not praying, if I'm not being the, the man after God's heart that I'm supposed to do, what she gets is she gets a more hostile husband. She gets a little outburst of anger, unfortunately, instead of this patient and this kind and this loving and forgiving husband. But listen, uh, just as a reminder, these, these things, these, these fruits of the Spirit, we don't produce those. Some of you are going to be like, well, listen, I, I, I'm a, lo a loving person. I can be patient. I can be kind. But you can't produce that on your own. It might be short term. You might produce evidence of those things, but you cannot produce the fruits of the Spirit without the Spirit. And the Spirit comes to you, like I said, when you start that intimate personal relationship with Jesus. When you say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I want him as my personal Savior. In that moment, just like Jesus says, when we do that, when we love him, when we obey him, he sends the Spirit. And we're no longer alone. You can't produce it on your own. When you have that relationship with Jesus, immediately, Scripture is very clear that when you start that relationship with Jesus, you should be obedient in the area of baptism. And you start feeding the Spirit. We have an obligation as Christians, people who have called on the name of the Lord, to start feeding the Spirit. But listen, and I'm in this boat. We spend way too much time sowing into our flesh than sowing into the Spirit. We know the right thing we should do. But yet we, we, we don't do it all the time. Paul talks about this battle. He has this inward battle too. He relates so well to us. He's like, man, these are things I want to do, but I don't do them. And then the things I don't want to do, those are the things I'm doing. We keep returning to our sinful desires, our flesh. But we shouldn't be surprised by this. Because scripture continues to talk about this, this kind of this weird phenomena. In the book of Wisdom, uh, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 26, starting in verse 11, here's what it says. I love scripture, this part is especially. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. Some of you are just like, oh, okay. You have that picture. I, I used to be a dog owner. My wife and I used to be a dog owner. And this dog, he was crazy in his own, in his own sorts. But during uh, our time of, of, of being with him, there would be, be moments where you can tell something was about to come out. 
you guys are, you, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you, he's like, he's gagging. Like, you're like, it's kind of like, a <laughs> and you're like, you, you kind of step back. I'll, I won't go anymore because some of you guys are still got some flu symptoms and that'll just like, blah, all over the auditorium. But then all of a sudden, what does he do? He, he releases the bad. He gets the bad out and, and his vomit comes out on our floor, which it was wood floors, tile floors, praise God. And, and after he, he did that, what he would do is he, he's, he's a crazy dog. He'd get the bat out, and then all of a sudden he's all perky, and he's running around the house, and he's going outside, and he's running around the yard, and then he comes back inside, and he jumps on your lap, and he gets really close to my face. I'm like, whoa, 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 you just vomited, bro. Like, hang back, hang back. And then what does he do? He goes back to the pile that I haven't cleaned up yet, and he licks it up. And it goes right back to where it came from. Why is that important? Well, as a Christian, that's what we tend to do quite a bit. There is this fleshly desires, these sinful desires, these things that we're walking in that we know are not God. They're, they're evil. They're, they're all those results that we were just reading and we're walking in them. But then we, we come to realization as a believer, I, I need to get away from those things. I need to walk away. I need to repent. I need to turn away. And I need to go to the things of the Spirit. I need to lean into God through prayer and through Scripture and through fellowship with other believers and and we do that for a little bit. But then life gets comfortable. Everything's going somewhat to plan. You got a promotion. Your kids are not arguing as much. Your marriage is not great, but it's not like on the rocks anymore. And when we get too comfortable, we tend to not feed the spirit as much, and then we start going right back to our pile of vomit, right back to our sinful desires, right back to our flesh. And I just need to tell you, man, I want to be a dad. I want to be a husband. I want to be a pastor. I want to be a friend. That says enough is enough. I fall short every single day. It's important for you to understand that because the same is true about you. If you're listening to my voice, we all tend to battle those things. We all have these fleshly desires. And I tend to feed that dog of my flesh more than I want to. But I want to limit it. I want to pause that. I want to stop returning to my flesh. I want to stop returning to that vomit. I want to make a shift. I want to make a change. And I want to be a man. And I think you want to be the person that's committed to feeding the Spirit. And so during this sermon series, I need you to hear this. During this sermon series, we are going to encourage you each and every single week to dig deep. To dig deeper than you have ever dug before. That when you come to this place, when you enter into this room here at 48th Street, you make this gathering a priority, especially over the next six weeks during this Reclaimed series. That there's going to be moments... I get it, on Thursdays, if that's your church day, on Thursday afternoon, man, Satan's going to attack you. He's going to create havoc in your life. You're going to create, uh, he's going to create things that are going to happen inside your workplace or inside your classroom or something with your friends or something inside your family or your kids aren't going to be acting right. And you're going to be like, or you go home and you, you take your shoes off and you're just like, I don't need to go to church today. I can watch online. Or I can maybe catch up on Sunday. And what I'm telling you is, you have to dig deep in those moments and you have to declare, no, this, this is important. Or, or Sunday mornings, you guys are here, you made it today, but there's going to be days where you wake up in the morning and you're going to be like, eh, I don't feel like it. 
I think we'll just cook breakfast at home. Uh, my kids are fighting. Or you and your spouse get in the car and you're automatically fighting right away. And you're just like, should we go to church today? I mean, we're fighting already. Can the Lord do anything for us? Maybe we should stay home. Maybe we watch online. Maybe we shouldn't let people see the mess of life that we're living in. And so you make a decision to stay home. But I'm telling you, not, not, not in this season. Not in this series. That we say enough's enough and we make this a priority. Because listen, every single week in this series... We're going to be issuing different challenges. Some are going to be fun. I'm going to be honest with you. We're starting to plan some of those things and getting some experiences ready, and they're going to be fun. Some are going to be easy. They're going to be as easy as you just saying yes and walking up and doing something. But some of these challenges are going to be exactly what the word is. They will be challenging. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to sow into your future. That as we do these challenges together, as my family and your families, as we lean into these things together, we want to take small steps today so we can put them into motion for our future. And so as a staff, as a team of difference makers that love you and care for you, we want you to know another big truth is that we want to be in your corner you're going to hear that mantra over and over and over this year. It is true because we want you to know that we are with you. We want to help you connect with Jesus on a much deeper and intimate way. We want you to take steps that you've never taken before. We want you to connect with Jesus at a much deeper level. We want to help cheer you on. We want to help encourage you when you take your, your first step. We want to help, help you develop that vision for your family and, and develop that vision for your, your future. But we also want to be there when you need encouragement. When you, when you are turning to the world and they're just saying you need to quit, you need to give up, you need to just stop on that marriage, you need to stop on that relationship, you need to just give up. We want to be like, no, 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 no. God has you. He's got this, and he's with you, and we are right behind you. Some of us, we may have to just give you a, a swift kick or a little knee in the back, but we will be there to help you. We want to help you dig today so others can drink tomorrow. And that statement is so much wider than just your family. Of course, we want your whole family to drink tomorrow or even drink today. We want your kids, your grandkids, but we want your families. We want your coworkers. We want your boss that you're having a disagreement with. We want everybody in this world to know that they can have this living water, this, this living water through Jesus. We will, my friends, we will reclaim. We can redeem what's been lost. And we can fix the things that are broken. But it's not really a, a we thing. It's a Jesus thing. Jesus can do all those things but he invites us to do it with him. And I want you to consider that as we move to this time of decision. Something that weighs heavily on my heart, as I'm speaking, there's, there's one group of people that I think through. There, there's one group of people my heart just like leaps out of my chest to. It's that person or the group of people that have not started an intimate personal relationship with Jesus, you hear there's this battle between flesh and the spirit. And you hear that when you have the spirit, he's with us. He's guiding us. He provides those incredible fruits. But in the flesh, we get all those results, those evil results, all those things that follow us. And I just need you to know, my heart goes out to you because you're in this battle by yourself. 
You're in this war all alone. You are trying so hard. You're trying so hard to accomplish all these things by yourself. You, you, I know, you're like, listen, you think you can do it. But I want, you to, I want you to understand, I thought I could do it too. A lot of people thought they could do it on their own. And then they realized, why do we need to try so hard? Jesus paid the price. He paid the debt. He rescued us from our sin. And he wants to be there with you. He wants to give you the spirit to empower you to live the life that he's called you to live. You will never be the person. You will never be the spouse the parent, the friend, the grandparent that you were created to be without that relationship with Jesus. And today, in this moment, in this time that we share together, in this space, you can start that relationship with Jesus. Jesus Christ, he died on your behalf, not to make you better. He does make you better, but he didn't die on your behalf to make you better. He died on your behalf to make you new. Your, your wife, your husband, your kids, they don't need a better version of you. Your friends don't need a better version of you. They need someone who's been made new by the power of Jesus, who has the Spirit of God living inside of them. They need someone who takes that step and says yes to Jesus, who gets in the waters of baptism. And now, because you have that relationship with Jesus, you are now starting to feed your spirit rather than walk in your flesh. And so in just a little bit, if you have not started that relationship with Jesus, one of our pastors will be right by the baptistry. And they would love to help you walk through that, make that decision, answer any questions you may have, pray over you. But that is the single greatest decision you can make in this moment. And I'm praying that you'll take that before you leave this place today. I want to share and wrap up Galatians 5 because it's just so powerful. The, the, the chunk of scripture we're in and starting in verse 24 and 25, it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus, those who have that intimate personal relationship with Jesus, you have nailed your passions and your desires of your sinful nature to his cross and you've crucified them there. Your flesh, what, what Jesus does is you're taking those things. When you belong to Christ, you, you take your flesh, you take your sinful desires, and you crucify them on his cross. And it says, since you are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. My prayer is that you follow the Spirit's leading this morning. For those of you in this room, there's a lot of you that have relationship with Jesus you started it. Some started a long time ago. Some started as maybe as often or as close to last week. And looking at this room, panning this room of faces and stories, there's so many stories filled. Some I got to see when Jesus made you new. I got to help walk you through that. And, and it's been a great testimony what God is doing in your life. But I, I want you to know if you're not in a battle right now, you will be in one soon. You may be in a battle against your flesh right now. The, the flesh is winning against the spirit because you're feeding the wrong dog. And today, what we have to declare, we have to declare war on our flesh. And the way we declare war on our flesh is we invite the spirit 
we lean into the Spirit. We feed the Spirit through prayer, through surrender, and through obedience. And that can happen in this moment. That can happen in this time of worship, on these steps. And over the next seven weeks, what I want to help you do is I want to help you be able to make a commitment to feed the Spirit versus the flesh. And so on the steps, there are cards just littered on on these front steps. And in just a little bit, I'm going to ask all of you, as believers of Jesus, those who are walking inside this relationship with Jesus, whether you are in a good place in your walk or whether you're in a, a tough place or whether you feel like you're in an impossible place, that you would come up and you would grab one of these cards and you'd spend just a little bit of time just getting on your knees or, or taking the card back to your seat or if there's not enough room up here that you'd, you'd flood the aisles and you start praying, God, what step do I need to take today? Over these next six weeks, how can I focus so much on the short term, not not get lost in the long term? How can I draw close to you? Because every single week we have 168 hours. How will you use that to draw close to Jesus? How will you use that to feed your spirit and not your flesh? And so, in this time, if you're kind of already making excuses, oh, he's not talking to me, this response isn't for me, I'll do that another time. This is the first challenge, and I'm challenging every single person, including myself, to come forward and wage war against our flesh. Let's stand to our feet. Let's go to a time of prayer, a time of decision, a time of movement. God, would you do what only you can do? God, I pray that you, your spirit right now is confirming in the hearts of believers, Jesus, how they need to take a step where they need correction, where they need to repent and turn away from their sinful desires and turn to you. Spirit, I pray that you continue to just produce those fruits inside of us of love and joy and peace, gentleness, patience, kindness. God, self-control, would you just place it on our hearts? God, I pray for that person. I pray for that group of people, Lord, that is still battling on their own. I pray today they can be released from that bondage. They can be released from the lies that they can defeat their flesh on their own, and that they can say yes to you, Jesus, in this moment. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. I pray, God, that you'll help us respond. You'll help us posture ourselves in a, a posture of humility and allow us to make a commitment in this moment. God, ultimately, I pray that you help us, whatever the circumstance, that you will turn it around. Jesus, we love you. Praise your name. Amen. Let's move, church.